1: Hello and welcome to the Olive Magazine podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Food Director, and I'll be your host for this episode. Later on in the podcast, I'll be learning the secrets of cooking great Garnet food with chef and author Zoe Ajonya But first up, digital intern Amanda meets Chelsea from Blondie's Kitchen and finds out why milk and cookies aren't just for kids.
2: We're in uh, Selfridges Food Hall with the lovely duo that is Blondie's Kitchen, um, Chelsea and Christelle. Christelle's actually had to run off for now because they've actually sold out again, and she's had to go and frantically make some more cookies. Um, so we're just here with Chelsea. Um, lovely to have you on the show, Chelsea. Oh, thanks. Lovely to be here. So I just want to start by talking about kind of how you know each other, like how you got to meet and how you kind of came up with the concept. Really? Okay. Well, um,
0: me and Christelle actually weren't friends. I'm actually a bit older than Christelle, and we both have a mutual friend, which actually one of Christelle's really good family friends. So, when I used to gr- when I was growing up, yeah. I always knew of Christelle oh. through my friend, but we weren't actually friends. We just sort of said hello, how are you, whenever we nice. saw each other. Yeah. We're from quite a small community in North London, so. Everyone knows everything about everyone's lives and I found out that Christelle was going to Cordon Bleu to get trained. And she was starting there just before I was starting to train um as a chef at Leith. So I said, Oh, what made you choose Cordon Bleu? And I'd see all her pictures going on Facebook and I'd be like, Wow, how did you make that? I can't ever see myself getting to a point where I'm gonna be able to be that good in the kitchen. (laughs) And she sort of guided me a bit along the way and said, Don't worry, you'll be fine. And then Christelle went to go on and work in restaurants, whereas I won um, an internship at BBC Good Food. Oh yeah, so become Amazing. the cookery yes. assistant. Um, so that was really exciting. But on the side, I used to do loads of catering for people and make lots of birthday cakes and it started out just doing it for family and then one thing led to another and loads of people were asking me and I was so busy I messaged Christelle saying listen I keep getting offered loads of work. If I can't ever do it, do you want me to pass it your way? and she said absolutely not don't 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 put anything my way I'm I'm She was <laughs> like I'm, I'm, my hours are ridiculous and i cannot do it so i said oh okay no problem and that's fine and then i then she was posting more pictures on Facebook doing private work, so I sort of said nudged her again, because I'm like a dog with a bone, and said, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, you know, fancy doing a bit of catering together, and she said, you know what, yeah, let, let's meet and have a chat. Yeah. So we started doing it on the side together, just so we could manage our time better, both working full-time, it was really difficult, and then before we knew it, we had a fully booked diary every weekend, yeah. and we were both working two full-time jobs and practically working seven days a week, so... It was our, yeah. our business partner relationship
2: began, yeah. and then along that, came Blondie's. Kitchen. Along came Blondie's Kitchen. Yeah. So, and where did the concept of the milk and cookies come from? Did that originate from one of you, or so? Our cookies had always sold really well at private events because they're yeah. really delicious.
0: Um, and the idea sort of evolved after we'd both been on a trip to New York separately, oh, okay. um, and we'd seen this sort of hole-in-the-wall concept yeah, idea. Yeah, it's quite
2: American, isn't it? Really yeah.
0: American. Of it's like fast food or sticking to one concept yeah. and doing it really well, but it's in a much more sophisticated way than we're seeing it in the yeah. UK. So we loved the idea, and we thought, why don't we just stick to one thing, do it really well, and see how well Definitely, received yeah. is. So along came the idea of... We were literally sitting down having a coffee <laughs> one Aww. day. I remember it so clearly. And we were like, why don't we do our cookies? Like, they sell really well. Yeah. And then we were like, we can't just do cookies. Like, what can we do with cookies? And it was almost like a no-brainer, like milk and cookies. Yeah, like it goes
2: hand in hand. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So... We were like, great, let's do it. Let's try it somewhere. So we found a location in Old Street Station yeah. just to have a little market And this still. was like your
2: first pop-up, wasn't it? Yeah, this yeah. was our
0: first one at the end of last year. Yeah, And we were like, do you know what? Let's just gauge what people want. We took it more as a market research rather than let's start up this new business and make it a success. We yeah. sort of thought... If it's what people want and it's really well-received, we'll roll with it. And if it's not, then at yeah. least we know. Yeah. So we went in and it was just crazy. We, thought, we thought we'd thought we be selling a couple hundred cookies <laughs> a day at best and we were no. selling nearly a thousand. Well, it went
2: mad on Instagram. Like, everyone was hashtagging it. Yeah. You got thousands of followers Ex- and everything. And it just all sort of yeah. happened overnight. So we were so surprised and obviously delighted amazing yeah um, well there's not really one like that in London there's, also, there's cookies and things but there's not the concept of milk and cookies so exactly. having the pairing is quite exciting and things yeah. bring to London I think a lot of
0: people are always looking for something new yeah. and that was really important definitely
2: Okay, so let's talk a bit more about the cookies themselves now. Do you have um, any tips or anything, best advice for our listeners at home as to how to get the perfect cookie, as in, like, consistency, making sure it's gooey and everything? I mean, obviously, I can't give away our recipe because it's a bit of a secret. (laughs) That's Um, top
0: secret. Although, to be fair, like I always say to people when they're like, you know, what's so great about your cookies? And I say, to be honest, that is no secret. We just use really good quality ingredients. Uh, We use Billington's unrefined sugar. Uh, We use Nielsen Massive vanilla. Vanilla. Don't cut
2: corners when it comes to your
0: no, exactly. Yeah. So it's all about using the the best of the best and what's yeah. out there. Like we use really good quality chocolate. Um, in terms of skill wise, when producing the best cookie, everything we do is made by hand. Yeah, um, and we ball the dough ourselves. Every single ball has to be balled at the equal weight yeah. so that Measuring all the cookies are the sure, same. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, like, getting them in the oven, making sure they're spaced apart far enough apart so yeah. they don't start touching. I've had
2: that problem before. Turn yeah. this into one massive cookie. I know. <laughs> there
0: could be worse things in life. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I actually, when we were in Old Street, I baked a few on a tray. Yeah. And I think I was just so exhausted. They came out and they actually ended up looking like a penis. <laughs> oh, no. How they baked. And it was, like, two. Oh it was actually the Special funniest. Special edition. Limited. Yeah, it was the funniest thing ever. Aww. I was like, What have I done here? Oh, no. Um, but yeah, just things like that, and always using grease proof paper, making sure you yeah. line your trays properly. Um, but yeah, I'd say consistency wise, and
2: when you're selling en masse, it's all about mm-hmm. making sure every cookie is the same. Yeah. So that's the hardest thing, making sure like the volume and the measurement and the yeah, and of them do you know all. what we
0: really struggle with that because yeah. we've
2: never produced this amount of cookies a day. Um, and
0: thankfully, my boyfriend is oh. heading up our kitchen at the moment because he's a chef. So
2: thank God, he's teaching us. <laughs> he's teaching us about consistency yeah. and getting everything well, that's the same. Brilliant. Yeah, have on hand as well. Exactly. And you're doing it at um, a bigger kitchen now because the the volume of cookies that you have to yeah every day is just so yeah. big. So we
0: rented out a unit in Park Royal now. Yeah. Which is great although to be honest there's still not enough oven
2: space. Oh no. And we can only get 50 in at a time so it's a push. Yeah. And when it comes to flavours how do you decide on what goes well with the cookies as well as like the milk and everything?
0: Well I think my background, obviously, was recipe writing, yeah. so, so you've got a lot of
2: experience and knows
0: what works well. And I love coming up with new ideas; like that's the best part about yeah, our job, definitely. being creative. Yeah. Um, so. We've just come up with the ideas and based on what we like. Yeah. Really, the cereal milk came about because I was like, "Sorry, cocoa pops are like the best thing ever. <laughs> everyone <laughs> it's gets true. To, everyone gets to the end of the bowl yeah. and wants more. more. So why don't we just the nostalgic get to the end of the, bowl of the is get nice. to the end of the bowl yeah. and let's bottle that part? Yeah. Like, why is no one even thought of that yet? So good. Yeah. So we've now got a new edition of cereal milk oh, to the yeah. menu. We do our frosty cereal milk. Nice. So that was always my favourite cereal. Yeah. Well. We're in talks about doing a crunchy nut one as well. Oh nice. Yeah. Really
2: so good. It's
0: yeah, it works really well, especially with the offering. And yeah, it's like definitely. you said, it's all about definitely. nostalgia and taking people back to so those like memories, yeah. like the best memories. Yeah. So a lot of our cookie combinations come from that as well. Like nice. our Kinder our Kinder <laughs> yeah. Love You Cookie is one of our best
2: sellers. And I it's not just kid, that. it's not just kids buying no them, like, Well, Kinder, Kinder Bueno is my favourite chocolate bar exactly. as well, so, and lots of adults, so yeah. There's a lot of great elements to them. And so, what's like your top selling, would you say? Definitely our Kinder
0: yeah. and our Get Stuffed Cookie, which is our Oreo cookie dough, oh, and the nice. center stuffed with Nutella. So good. I think if you put anything on a menu with Oreo and Nutella in, it's just going to be a winning <laughs> People combo. People just love it. Don't People they. Just the love gooey it. Yeah, nice. you can't beat it.
2: And you guys do other catering and cakes on the side, don't you? Like the famous kind of drippy cakes I've seen on your Insta. And... Yeah, we've become really known for our drippy cakes, which yeah. is like great. We never... Once you
0: start doing one, everyone asks for it. And it's yeah. really on trend at the moment. But it is, yeah. we don't like limiting ourselves to one thing. So definitely hopefully we've got more, more styles in the pipeline. all about a lot of those
2: sweet treats.
0: Oh, yeah. We're, we're really known for our baked goods, definitely. Nice.
2: So what's next for...
0: You and Chris Down, the Blondie girls. Um, we're going to be at Graduate Fashion Week straight from here, so exactly. we're there from the fourth to the seventh of June. Yeah, um, which is really exciting. And then, to be honest, right now we're not sure. Just kind of taking every day as it comes. Yeah, so we're, busy. We're struggling. So obviously we're a startup, so we're taking baby steps and yeah. taking it project by
2: project. No sleep, cookies in, cookies out, all day, all day, all, all night. Yeah, sugar rush life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what Are you we're sick live of Cookies in?
0: yeah to be honest yeah. <laughs> yeah obviously there's only so many you can eat I so. eat them every day and <laughs> yeah. then, but then there are some days where I'm like I just love these cookies yeah. and I can't stop eating mm-hmm. them but then there are other days I'm like get these cookies
2: out of my face nice <laughs> well the girls are here till May 28th down in Selfish's Food Hall so make sure you come down and get your milk and cookies fixed and yeah make sure you catch the girls on, on their Instagram at Blondie's Kitchen and on their website thanks Chelsea and thanks to Christelle who thanks. unfortunately obviously can't be here but Hopefully catch you again soon. Definitely. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. Thanks, guys.
1: Zoe's Ghana Kitchen has been feeding Londoners the fiery, vibrant flavours of Ghana for a while now. I caught up with Zoe Jonya to find out about the new African food revolution and her brilliant new book. So I'm here today with Zoe Jonya, who has Zoe's Ghana Kitchen down in Brixton. Um, we have a fantastic feature in our latest issue, which is a May issue, and it's all um, recipes from Zoe's interpretation of Ghana that she cooks in her kitchen every day. Just wanted to first talk Zoe about um, about Zoe's Ghana Kitchen and how it how how it came to be. How did it? Yeah, how because did your it? background <laughs> is your your background isn't in food, like no, not
3: at all. Um, I had a job actually, uh, one of the many jobs I had as a student was working in a cafe. This is my only catering experience. Okay. (laughs) And I I wasn't allowed to even prep the sandwiches. I just had to take money at the till. So yeah, it's been a strange journey. So how did it start? Basically, I mean, obviously my connection with the food is through my father who's Ghanaian and he used to cook that food at home when I was a kid, um, largely for himself. Interestingly enough, he didn't seem to want to share that food. So I had to bug him a lot to... um, you know, to get to get, to get info about what exactly what you, are you doing? What, what, is yeah. what is that? What is that big smelly thing you've got there? <laughs> oh, it's kenke. Cool. Can I have some? <laughs> um, so yeah, there was a lot of me poking and prodding to find out what things were, and then just watching him cook, and then learning yeah. to to use those ingredients myself. Um so there's always been that interest in food and i have always liked cooking for people. And one of my favourite dishes was a uh, peanut butter stew, okay. which is based on the groundnut soup that is quite common all over West yeah. Africa, actually. And each country has its own slight interpretation on it. Um, but this was a dish I used to eat like three or four times a week. I mean, it's you should come and eat it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like this really spicy... Well not super spicy, but it has this like slow spicy build to it and then like this sweetness from the peanut butter mm. and then you have this lovely deep lamb.
1: I think we've got a, um in the issue, I think we've actually got your lamb. Lamb cutlets with peanut sauce. Oh, so I think it's probably got a similar yeah. flavour profile to, exactly. to that. Yeah, that's a
3: version of that. Um, yeah. And I used to cook it, like I say, three or four times a week. And then my friend Lisa used to come around for dinner. This is when I'm at school.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and She
3: loved it. So she was always at my house. Um, and it was a dish that I kept cooking for people, uh, you know, throughout my ad- adulthood and, yeah. and so on. And they kept asking me to make it all the time. And it got a bit annoying, actually. I was like, no, come, I'm cooking something else now. <laughs> um, and then... Sorry, I'm, that's way, way loads of backstory. Yeah. But so Garnet Kitchen itself was born one summer. So I went travelling around America for a few months. Okay. And came back uh, pretty skint, having had a wonderful time. And um, the, the warehouse I moved into in Hackney Wick um, was a... Basically, at the time in Hackney Wick, all of those were live-work units. So they were blank canvases. Okay. And so it was a white square box. And my girlfriend at the time was an artist... And she was using it as a gallery space because we didn't have any furniture. So it's was like, oh, I'm going to turn this into a gallery because there's an open studios weekend. Yeah. So thousands of people were flooding into Hackney Wick yeah. for this open studios event called Hackney Wicked. And there wasn't anything, anywhere for them to go because at the time, Hackney Wick hadn't been gentrified to an inch of its life. <laughs> um, so I saw an opportunity to maybe make a little bit of money. So I thought, I oh, know, I'll cook a big pot of peanut butter stew for and plantain. Um, I had this little tiny baby belling, you know, there's two top yeah, yeah, stoves. <laughs> and I put that on a wallpaper table, yeah. literally outside my front door. And my friend Ruth painted a sign that said, Zoe's peanut butter stew.
1: Yeah.
3: I put it on the gate. And because of that smell, it drew lots of people in. i
1: surprised, wow.
3: And, uh, so you
1: literally just did one dish, just one massive pot. Man, One massive Fantastic. pot. Fantastic.
3: Um, but I had to do one massive pot a couple of times a day because it was yeah, so busy. Yeah, selling out. And it created this lovely kind of social situation, people drinking and eating, and mm. everyone was like, oh, you should do this again, you should do this again. So this was in 2010, and I was thinking, yeah, it's been fun, but I probably won't do it again. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> Quite a hard work, I imagine, as but, well. Uh, the following summer, that same weekend for yeah. the Hackney Wicked Festival, we were like, do you know what would be quite fun, actually, is to do it again? Yeah. But a year, this is a year on. Um, but we'll turn the flat into a restaurant instead of a gallery. <laughs> so we made loads of tables and chairs and... Borrowed stuff, and I went to second-hand shops and all that. Anyway, and then I called it Zoe's Ghana Kitchen, and I made a flyer that said the tastiest, uh, what was it? The tastiest taste from Africa, five stars. <laughs> and, um, you know, we booked out. We were completely sold out for three or four days. Wow. And people thought they were in a restaurant. Um, and we were trying to book for like, the following week. So I started oh, to collect email crazy, addresses. yeah. And... Um, I expanded the menu a little bit. Yeah. With Cane fish and some of the dishes that are in the cookbook actually the more traditional stuff. Yeah. And then people were just kept contacting me when can we come to this supper club and I was like, "Oh, is it a supper club?" Okay. <laughs> and then every few months So it was I like did,
1: an accidental supper club. Yeah, it was
3: and it just kind of grew very very organically and before I knew it it turned into a business and Yeah. It funded me through my MA at Goldsmiths, basically. Oh God, I stopped working and I yeah. was just like, okay, once a month I'll do a supper club. And yeah. That's cool, I can write and cook. And, <laughs> and so that's how it started. I mean, it started as like a fun idea and then mm. it developed into yeah you know, once I realized it was a business, I then had to think about well what am i why is this so popular yeah what is it what about this experience of people enjoying? And then I had to kind of make a framework around what I wanted to do with it yeah. and I realized, yeah people haven 't had access to this food before
1: because it 's quite i mean it, it, I think you say in the book that um, African cooking it 's out there there are places you can go and eat it but but it's, it 's almost like communities embrace it so wholeheartedly that they don 't need to kind of push it out into the exactly. wider world because exactly. they you know, they're kind of, not selfishly, but they want to, they're kind of keeping it for themselves, you know, so so There isn't even, I don't
3: think even, until recently, I don't think it's occurred to people that anybody outside of the community might want to try it, you know. So, I mean, my my own experience of going into a couple of times with my dad when I was a kid going into, like, African restaurants. Yeah. And they're quite intimidating. You know, these particular examples could yeah. be quite intimidating spaces. You know, they're very loud. And yeah. You know, you've got loads of African men shouting at each other. Because, <laughs> you know, that's like... How we speak to each other very loudly (laughs) and buoyantly, and you know, there's massive bowls of fufu, and it's not presented necessarily very beautifully. and People are eating with their hands, and there's fufu flicking everywhere. (laughs) You know, it's I mean, it's amazing, but
1: everyone's really digging in and enjoying it and embracing it. It's it's a very
3: earthy experience, but you know, I can imagine that somebody not from that community walking into that space would be like, I'm not sure what's going on here. I'm a bit scared. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I just kind of decided to if people are loving it, why not share this with more and more people? Yeah. And I was like, okay, how do we, how do I reimagine some of this stuff so that people, make it a bit more accessible as well. Exactly. Just, accessible. you know,
1: like an entry point for someone who, who might find some of the things a little bit strange or, you know, they haven't tried them before just to give them that in. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like
3: opening a door yeah. and here's an introduction to Ghanaian food and by the way, here's an introduction to Ghanaian culture as well on yeah. the side, you know, with like the playlists and stuff. And, yeah. Um, The flyers I used to make for events was always referencing African artists and kente and, you know, stuff like that. And I've just found it, for me personally, the whole journey with food has been such a... Amazing journey because it has taken me back to Ghana and it's taken me back. Yeah, to Yeah, tell it, us about when you went back because there's a, there's
1: a bit in the book which made me laugh so much about where you're hiding in your bed at six thirty in oh the morning, trying not to make a noise because you know that your grandma will come up and feed you <laughs> as soon as she hears you moving around. There'll be a plate of food in front of you even before you haven't opened your eyes.
3: Exactly. I mean, I used <laughs> to. I was like, I can. I still have a very strong recollection of this. Just lying in bed, super still, and the fan above me moving, and I'm like. Hope it's not because you know, it's on a timer or something. And I'm like, please don't wake up, grandma. Please don't wake up. Grandma. <laughs> um, I mean, it's amazing that you know the hospitality in Ghana yeah. it was fantastic. I mean, not just in my family, but everywhere I went to. And they are very hospitable people, like yeah. the Irish. You know, it's just and part of that is feeding people.
1: And you've got—is is it your mother's Irish or your your yeah, mum's family's Irish? My mom's you've got Irish. you've got both sides I come of from that. two massive feeders. Yeah,
3: so. Um, and that was interesting to make that comparison as yeah. well. There was a lot of similarities actually between my Irish family and the Ghanaian yeah. family. Um, but no, yeah, so I couldn't move for, for being fed. And, you know, they looked at me. I'm, a, you know, pretty skinny and tall and, you know, wiry individual. And they couldn't understand why <laughs> <laughs> their mission was basically they to, to fatten, f- you to up fatten for... me up. My grandma actually said, she said, What's happened to your bottom? <laughs> oh. She said, you used to have a chubby bottom. <laughs>
1: Um, when was the last time she'd seen you? I was when a you, toddler, yeah. oh, bless her. <laughs> and she's like, what have you got? Well, actually, technically, she had
3: come over for a visit in between. Yeah. But, um, and yeah. what did you
1: find? Because I'm quite fascinated. So you went back to Ghana to to kind of. Because um, I think you said in the book you hadn't, you, you'd never been there. I mean, obviously, you had been there when you were you were a toddler. Yeah. You went back to to find out the roots of the cooking and to try and get into kitchens and try yeah. and learn how to cook, get the food in the traditional Garnetting way, so you could take some. What, what did you? What yeah. did you learn? I mean, what did I you mean, bring back with you?
3: God, I learned so much. Yeah. You know, I was really like I mean, obviously, in my grandma's house, I had my aunt. I had my grandma, my aunt Evelyn, and Mercy. So three different women. Um, who instantly each have their own ways of cooking yeah, things. Yeah, I bet. And insist <laughs>
1: Do they argue about it?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, like because they're they're from slightly different tribes as well. So my grandma's Fanti and Mercy's Ashanti and Evelyn's OA. Okay. So they all have little their own little versions of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But each one we'll is just, the it's right. It's the right one. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I took for for starters that was great relief for me yeah. to be like, oh, so there is. It room can be for your way. Yeah, yeah. It's your you know.
1: interpretation.
3: Um, and I spoke a little bit with Ruby Tando about that. Worrying about, um, you know, that horrible word authenticity. Authenticity, yeah, I hate which it. is. It's, yeah. it's so kind of clumsy and yeah. unuseful, actually, you know, because yeah. how do you, what's the barometer of because that? Because cooking's stuff?
1: one of the few things that has, it starts at one point and then down through generations, it, it's, develops, it ends up at a completely yeah. different point And that's the beauty of it. No one says it's right or wrong. Yeah. I mean, you know.
3: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it kind of removed that question for me over whether I was entitled to yeah. interpret stuff. And yeah. the other great thing I learned was like going to the markets like Kineshi Market, um, for example, I was blown away by how much how much fresh produce there was. Yeah. You know? And so much of it's similar to what we use in Europe. So yeah. things like finding fresh thyme and uh, nut, the nutmegs and fresh ginger and... Lots of, lots of herbs and spices that weren't just Ghanaian-specific. Yeah. People were... was readily available, which meant... That, then again, I was like, oh, okay, so it's okay to use thyme in this recipe and it's yeah. okay to... Do you know what I mean? So it So, gave so you me were finding for, like,
1: familiar ingredients and you were surprised at, yeah? Yeah, so the I was surprised. Um, And then also
3: just the amount of fish that was eaten, like fresh fish going down to Jamestown and watching the boats come in and all of the haggling and stuff. So I guess... In My head, because when my dad was cooking when I was a kid, he used a lot of tinned stuff, you know, like yeah. tinned sardines and tinned tomatoes and lots of tinned things. So I, I didn't know what to expect in terms of yeah. what, how the ingredients would be there and stuff. So, but there was so much fresh stuff, yeah, so much green, you know, the taro leaves and
1: stuff. Maybe it's like just that. availability at the time for your dad, because I've, I've heard that with a lot of, I mean, I, I know my, my <laughs> grandma. Cooks a lot out of tin and stuff as well. And yeah. maybe it's just the times. Are, and also yeah.
3: he's a guy he's probably a bit, yeah, a bit lazier a bit with bit the
1: cooking. F- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah.
3: Um, I take that back. I'm a feminist, but I'm not a man-hater. <laughs> You're all great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, so the things I took away were yeah. that, that things are interpreted differently in different yeah. homes and not everything has to have be hot for it to be Ghanaian food because yeah. my aunt um, Evelyn, for example, was really proud to, to show me how to cook shito. And I was like, amazing. Um, That's had a hot sorry, paste, she isn't should, it? It's like yeah, it's a hot pepper sauce made with smoked uh, I bought, crayfish I've, and I've, prawn. Prawns. For
1: your recipe, for a recipe testing, I bought some. We, I live in near Stroud Green, and there's lots of African grocers down there. So I, I was going in. I was like, oh I've got Dennis, they've got Cheeto and they've got Gary, and they've got you know. I was really chuffed with myself. It's exciting. I could, yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah. I went with this massive list, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, over here, you know, <laughs> taking me around. But, but Cheeto is incredible,
3: isn't it's it? It's So tasty, isn't yeah. it? Um, but what was funny is so she was making this and she, and she didn't realise the other thing was she didn't realise I, I have a business yeah. cooking Ghanaian. and you food wanted food. to know and I, and I didn't tell them that I mean, when I got there originally because yeah. I didn't want any weird pressure and stuff so she was very proudly like demonstrating and then you put yeah. this, the papo chito it, and then you add the crayfish, and, and I was like okay, um. and then she added her chilli and I was like oh is that all you're going to put in and she was like <laughs> eh <laughs> <laughs> so, okay sorry anyway and then she when i tasted it i mean it was delicious yeah. but it was so mild yeah and i was like
1: oh my god was she you know, milding it down for you do you think no, she no. Thought,
3: but she thought it was really hot oh, she's like it's okay. hot. she was expecting me my my head to be blown yeah off.
1: and you were you were like, like i'm, this a, I'm is, a pro at this. Touch my, shito
3: <laughs> my shito is hot yeah. proper hot um because that's how i grew up eating it cause yeah. my dad bought the you know, jars of it and it was always the really super fiery, hot, yeah. hot version. Um, so that was funny as well, you know, me pretending to be like, oh my God, that's so hot. Um, so, that, yeah, so things... Let me summarise all that babble I've just said. So <laughs> the um, that thing about people assuming that all food, all Ghanaian food is really spicy and hot yeah. because it's not. There's lots of tempered spices and flavours mm. in there and lo- and, the, and a lot of time... Spice should be used, and I talk about that in the book as well, it's like a seasoning, it's yeah, to yeah, your palate, too, it doesn't have to be super hot. Yeah, it doesn't hot. have to kill that everything isn't what else. what makes the dish, yeah. it's the, the flavour profiles involved. Um, so that was good to know. And then all, that, that licence to use some other ingredients such as thyme and garlic and things mm. like that. Um, and that, yeah, things being open to slight interpretation is fine because it, it from household to household a recipe yeah. changes basically because most of those recipes have been passed down orally you know yeah,
1: and then in regional as well as you said and people from regional. three different regions all cook in the same dish but slightly differently yeah. so you know you can do your little and what um, like as as an entry point for people who've not tasted Ghanaian food what, what would you say are like the major players in flavour profiles you know what sort of things appear again and again
3: yeah I mean I talk about this a little bit as well it's you know, like, um, the Italians have sofrito, right? Yeah. And the French have, what do um, they call it? Is- is- uh, mirepoix. Ah, mirepoix, that's yeah. the one. <laughs> um, <know> that one. <laughs> so every country has its own name for yeah. a little combination of mm. things. And I find that the three most common ingredients to every dish are onion, yeah. ginger, scotch bonnet, actually four, and tomatoes. Okay. Fresh tomatoes. They are As a base. Yeah, they're, they're like a base. Yeah. and. I mean, I've decided to call that chalé sauce for my own quirky yeah. reasons, but because there isn't a name for that,
1: oh, that the, I'm aware so of. So that, yeah, that was your because I, I've come across that before. Chalé uh, sauce. Um, not that when you, when I read the recipe, not chale, not the name chalé, but um, our kitchen manager Gloria was from Ghana, and she used to make this rice, and the base of it was exactly as you've described, and she used to whiz it in a, a food processor. And then pour it in with loads of oil into a pan and then pour rice in and cook it until the bottom went crusty. Yeah. But then, so when I saw your book, I was like, that's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> but see, <laughs> yeah. so lots of people and use flavours, yeah. So now I've And got, I've just
3: called it chale sauce yeah, yeah. because chale is like a word in Ghana for like, yeah. you know, friend or... Oh, it's real, cool. I hear chale, yeah, yeah. chale. Or, you you know, also if you do something wrong, someone will be like, oh, chale.
1: <laughs> but I love because that. So that's your kind of, that's your... Friendly base sauce that you're going to use. It's like a passata or something, you know, and you can just
3: use it in so many dishes. Um, And it's so simple, right? And it's so easy to make. Um, And then you kind of build on that, depending on what you're making. You might be, if it's, you know, might be adding palm nut, if it's palm nut soup or. Mm you know, whatever it is, or a goosey and spinach. Mm. And that's in fact that is spi- that spinach and a goosey right there, it's so simple. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just ground members. Um what's the, so, yeah. what are the most popular dishes at your at your place now? I mean what what's and do people at Brixton? Yeah. Um
3: gosh. Well the lamb cutlets with the, yeah. the peanut sauce, very popular. The recipe
1: in Olive magazine. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um the jollof fried chicken yeah, flies them. out. People love fried chicken. Yeah. Um red, red, like vegans love the bean stews, red, red stew, yeah. um, any of the plantain dishes, so the plantain chips, the kelloele, the grilled plantain, tatale.
1: I mean, I le- plantain
3: I, is just amazing. I, I learned it. that
1: from reading your book. I didn't realise that the three stages of the plantain and that you use them in different recipes in different ways. Yeah. You know, so they're really green, then the are ripe, then they're absolutely blackers. Yeah. And well, then, I mean, there's more than
3: three stages, oh, really. There, but, I mean, but, there's three kind of yeah. colour types, but I mean... Yeah, it basically goes from very, very starchy when it falls from the tree, excuse me, to, and that starch kind of just transforms into sucrose over the course of about six, seven sugary,
1: yeah.
3: And um, it gets super, super sweet, and it's by the time it's at, and this is my favourite bit. (laughs) You're going to the grocer's, I used to love it. Go to the grocer's, and there's a box of black plantain, and nobody wants it. I can (laughs) buy a box for a pound, I'm like, amazing.
1: What do you do with that black plantain and what was Tatale. Oh okay. That's totally. perfect for right. tatale.
3: Yeah. Um Yeah. I mean like, when I've been teaching um chefs like recipes in the kitchen or something, um and they and I'll be like, you know, you get black plantain and they're like well, what is, surely yeah. that needs to go Should in. in the bin. Off, yeah. <laughs> no babes. No. <laughs> this is perfect for tatale. Um, I think that's so, what's yeah. nice
1: about the book as well, um, is there's there's a lot of information like we included a little glossary at the back of the um, at the back of our feature in the magazine because we wanted people to have the the knowledge to go and buy because the first time I have to confess the first time I went to buy yam I came back with sweet potatoes oh, because really? because they, they put the sign in the wrong place but they were huge sweet potato I mean yeah, they, they were they bigger than be. anything I've ever seen they can be beasts yeah so. I, I got I got them in, and then I was looking through your thing, and I was like, that's that's not a yam. So I went back to talk to the guy, and he was like, no, 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 that's not a yam, it doesn't, <laughs> that's a yam. It doesn't
3: help that the Americans call sweet potatoes yams Yams, well. exactly,
1: I think, in my head, I was thinking, and then, um, yeah, and there's there's a great bit did where you... Did you get
3: Puna yam, though, when you went back? Cause that's I did, because one.
1: it said, well, it said Gona yam. Yeah. Is that, that's Puna yam, right? Well, there's
3: a couple of different, there's like, oh. but Puna is the, the king of yams. Okay.
1: Um, it should be. It, looks, it looked yams. pretty good, but there was I, I was I wasn't going to do what you suggested in your book, which was go in, tell them to cut it in half, pick it up, have a. No, I know, you have to do that, babe. I just right. so <laughs> wrong. Or at very
3: least, you know, cut the ends so you yeah. can see the ends. Yeah. But I would also get them to cut it in the middle. Would you? They they expect that. I mean, they? They know that yams because yams have a very very long life, and you think about it. They're coming over on a boat. Da, 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 yeah, they're pre- it's a pretty they're hardy
1: vegetable, shop. isn't very, it?
3: It's very hardy. Yeah. But you don't want to buy a bad yam. How disappointing would yeah, it be? Because you do, yeah. You know, two yams for a fiver. You think it's a bargain, then you go home, and yeah. then it's like, <laughs> oh my god, it's, it's black inside. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, always get them to cut off at least the tips, mm. and they will expect it. It's like,
1: yeah. I mean, I think it's normal. That's what's so lovely about the book is there is so much. It's not just the recipes; it's the advice about going out and looking for ingredients, what to look for, how to pick them, um, and then you know how to use them. And that I think you get this whole massive education oh, in the kind no, it's great um, I really wanted
3: that you know because I didn't want people to be intimidated that's by anything. yeah it
1: gives it's you that like, entry into it you yeah. know you feel like you've you've like learned something like I did about my yaps <laughs> 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 um Tell us what, what you're doing at the minute, because I think you've, you've also got a, a residency in Soho at the minute. Is that right?
3: Yeah, super excited about that, actually. So we've, we're at the Sun and 13 Cantons in Soho, mm. on just off Beak Street and Great Portney Street. And it's really lovely to be uh, in the middle of London yeah. and having a whole new audience to bring the food to. Yeah. And it's going down like really, really well, which is great. So we're there. When are we open? Six days a week, lunch wow. and dinner, yeah. Um, and obviously we're doing, or well, not obviously, but we've got lots of events planned for London Food Month. Oh, yeah, you're well. taking
1: part in London Food Month.
3: Yeah, so we're doing the night market. Right. Or yeah, well, I'm doing a special supper club at the Sun and 13 Cantons on the 5th of June. And we're also doing special lunch promos at, at the Soho site. And we're doing brunch promos in Brixton. That's so there's a lot going on there.
1: So where can people find out about, you know, if they just wanted to, is, is there a website or should they follow you on Instagram or... Um,
3: Yes, there is a website, uk. But the, the fastest way to get any info is through our Twitter and Twitter, Insta. Yeah. It's at Kitchen for both kitchen. of those. Okay, yeah.
1: so go follow that. Um, and if you want to... Um, See more of the recipes, as I said. There's a, there's a small selection in our May issue, um, but Zoe's Corner Kitchen, the book is out right now. Is that right?
3: It's out right now. Available online,
1: and it's an absolutely be- beautiful book. And I would urge anyone to go out and buy it. But um, thank you so much for coming to oh, talk to us today. Absolutely pleasure. Real education. It's been thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please don't forget to go review and rate us on iTunes. For more information on things in this episode, head to our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our packed May issue now from newsagents or download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with even more food and drink chat.